at least for now. I can't yes. guarantee the future. You are listening to Politically Uncomfortable, a daily podcast covering political and social ideas with uncomfortable viewpoints. We are your host, and you're listening to episode number 10. Uh, so we're going to play the full clip for you so you get an idea of exactly what he said in context. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm saying to you, we've not called for the killing of white people, at least for now. I can't yes. guarantee the future. Yeah, but I mean... You'd understand somebody watching that, especially as it gets shared on Twitter, they freak out. Ah, it sounds like a genocidal ah, call. Ah, cry babies. Cry babies. I'm not calling for the, the slaughter the, of white people, at least for now. The, I, I can't give you a guarantee of the future, especially when things are going the way they are. Subtext. Especially things, if things are going the way they are, there will be a revolution in this country, I can tell you now. There will be an alert revolution, an alert revolution is the highest form of anarchy. So you're the one who showed me that clip. And when you told me what he said, I, I honestly thought that that had to be a, taken out of context. Yeah. And 100%, no way. He's he's very serious about a, a genocide. What percentage of the population are we talking about him killing in South Africa? Well, I don't think that's fair. He's very, he's very serious about not calling for the killing of whites. Not yet. Not yet. Exactly. <laughs> wow. So what percentage of the population are we talking about him killing? Uh, currently, it's down to 9%, 9%. Of South Africa being white. Uh, numbers, you know, previous to this, before uh, the end of apartheid, I think it was about 50% of the population or nearer to that. Okay. So it was 50% during... A so they ran. That's that's an estimate. It's like um, the numbers that I saw were like 10 million uh, black South Africans to 4.5 million whites. But, so for those who don't know, apartheid was. Oh, I guess that would be a third, actually. It was it was about third. Yeah. Was white. So for those who don't know, apartheid was the system that South Africa had that was kind of like a post Civil War era in the United States of America with separate water fountains, separate sleeping. It was it was the. Uh, it was segregation. It was segregation, um, which was very popular in the United States of America when the Democratic Party had their revolutionary Ku Klux Klan terror unit, and they did things like carpet bagging, et cetera, things like that to scare people into place and to put in Jim Crow laws even after the 13th, 14th, and the 15th Amendments were passed to try to keep black people from voting and, you know, basically raise terror. They had the same thing going on in South Africa until about 92. Yeah, if you've not looked into it, I, I really do recommend it just to get a sense that this kind of culture was still going on until very recently. Very, it's not something in the in our past. Yeah, exactly. So this was this was something that they were pushing, and then uh, when apartheid was over, of course there is some uh, there was going to be some animosity. You know, post Civil War era in the Reconstruction period that didn't really get to go as planned because Lincoln was assassinated by the Northern Democrat John Wilkes Booth. They were going to give black people reparations for the wrongs that had happened to them. That was what the Republicans had set up. They were going to set up farmland for them and stuff like that uh, because they knew that they knew they wanted, Abraham Lincoln wanted them to get the corn that they worked hard to make. And so they already knew how to farm and do things like that. It's not like, uh, was it also in South Africa where they were taking farmland from white people or white farmers? Well, yeah, up until the current day, you could see that uh, the distribution of land ownership in the country was heavily weighted towards the white population, you know, being a third of the country and having like, I don't know, depending on the year that they sourced, you know, between like 70 to 90% of the land. But now they took it away from white people. Completely. Oh, yeah. Currently, their, their push is to take the farmland back from the white people. I, and uh, this is what led to the comments that 
we're not going to kill white people, not yet. We're just taking the land. Well, they're going to take, and part of that was going to happen in Reconstruction Era. Um, the difference being in this situation, the black people in South Africa don't know how to farm. Yes, which is a very similar situation to Zimbabwe. In pretty recent history, they took land back from white people who were in the country. And once they got it back, they didn't know what to do with it. And um, unemployment soared, I think, up to the 90 percent. Like 94. Oh, yeah. And uh, starvation was rampant and the economic the economy suffered. And Zimbabwe's solution to this was to have the whites invited back to not own the farms and not enjoy the profits, but to just live on the land and teach the black people how to use the farms. We're going to really run into a situation because when you're talking about this large of a population being basically crapped on, there's no other way to put it. They're not going to just, oh, forgive and forget, like nothing happened. There there actually does have to be, if you want something to go forward, some type of reparations process. But when you have a group of people that also aren't educated, there's no... This is this is part of the problem that I I was saying with some, this is part of the problem I was saying with someone else when I was talking about uh, black people being able to vote and women being able to vote and I'm a black woman I'm all for that but without education without them having professional status in the workplace and doing when they gave them that first how it creates this group of people who is going to be desperate for someone to give them a handout it creates the perfect situation for saviors to come along and to do whatever they will with the population in the country. Exactly, because they don't know how to take care of themselves. So they're going to be looking for somebody else to take care of it for them because they're going to come into the situation where, you know, if we're talking about black people where there was a slave who, I mean, a slave owner who basically made sure that they had a job and housing and food, no matter how bad it was, they had that to, I don't have any of that. And I don't know about my opportunities because I don't have any education, et cetera, et cetera. And so they feel like they're they're almost worse off than when they were a slave. Mm-hmm. And women, you, you run to the same thing. Oh, I have these freedoms, but now I don't have anyone to take care of me and I don't have education on the ability to take care of myself. Whenever you can quickly create a class of people that run into that uh, paradigm, you're going to have these kinds of things happen. Well, whenever you have a large class of dependent people. And, and if you say to these people, hey, we need to get them educated first. And it's, you know, this is not something that's specific to black people in America or black Africans. I mean, it happened to Germany after the First World War, you know, because their economy was severely depressed. And then here comes this guy who's promising all these solutions, promising all these handouts. All you have to do is sacrifice your freedoms and your economy and your future. And he'll give all that to you. I think Germany was slightly different. And the reason why I'm going to say is because at least the populace there still had education. Yeah. They basically... Kind of makes it worse. Uh, yeah. I would say that's worse because in their situation... They're basically just wanting to not deal with responsibility anymore because things have gotten so bad. And again, they're looking for that savior. They're looking for a bailout. Mm -hmm. In their particular situation, I I make a differentiation because it's not because they don't have the education or the tools to take care of themselves. It's it's they don't want it anymore. They want to abdicate that responsibility. Well, they were paying reparations. And that's one of the reasons that their economy suffered so much, not to mention losing infrastructure and a whole host of other reasons. Oh, well, I, to be fair, we're talking about World War One. Yeah. I mean, two. yeah. World War One was basically a punishment to Germany for being so successful. Mm-hmm. Nobody really likes to talk about that, but they were. And then there were no, no continuing reason. economic punishments from there. And then to this day, in, they still pay reparations. Yeah. In, incompetent leadership led to a devaluation of the currency. And even though these people were educated, they still couldn't take care of themselves. So they were still looking for that person who would. 
So I guess that's not fair for me to totally come at Germany like that, because in that particular situation, they were getting destroyed by their own leaders. And we can see something similar happening in the United States of America, where the United States of America is getting punished, whether we're talking about trade, whether we're, t- we're talking about you need to go save this country or whatever it is. Or you need to, yeah. Or you need to take in all the all of the in, all the refugees from all of these countries, whatever it is, punished for being successful. And it did it help Europe to punish Germany for being successful? Let's look at the history. No, it, it didn't. It's not helping it, them now. <laughs> it never helps any country to punish people for being successful. But I also am not the kind of person to say that, that, you know, after you put a group of people down, you realize that you were wrong. It gets, it gets stopped, but you don't do reparations. I do think that there is a place for reparations, but you don't just give people stuff and they have no way of maintaining it. You're going to see Zimbabwe all over again in South Africa if yeah. that continues. Well, and you know, people will retaliate. That's something that's always going to come along with it, too, it's, I, if it's bad enough. I think in, in South Africa's particular uh, spot, when you say retaliate, I, I, I see in South Africa, I don't think so. I think, no offense, white Europeans run away. And that seems to be the thing oh, that they're the, doing. They have, uh, large and in part. I mean, it went from, you know, nearly a third of the country I, to being 9%. I mean, we've discussed this. A lot of I, them have I don't away. particularly, well, I wouldn't particularly want them here. They're yeah. the same 1800s southern 1900s today basically no one wants to say it southern democrats who enforced slavery and a, a form of slavery and then when they got who thought they were being kind because the slaves couldn't take care of themselves yeah otherwise. yeah who, they were so benevolent yeah who in wanted, their slave ownership yeah who wanted to control other people and then when the tide turned ran away after they destroyed a country and now the country's going to be completely destroyed and no one's going to say looking back that it was due to them but they created this construction destruction i wouldn't i don't want those people we'll just have to see what happens hopefully he was man you can't take that any other way he's planning on killing some white people uh, yeah that's exactly what's happening white white genocide is, is highly probable in south africa if you want to hear more on what's going on we'll keep you up to date as this story continues to suffer don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast to continue hearing it and we'll talk to you next time see ya